0: Welcome to the She Talks Health podcast, your source for information about all things women's hormonal health. I'm your host, Sophie Shepard. I'm the founder of She Talks Health and the co-creator of the 12-week Empower Her group gut and hormone program. I'm a certified functional health coach and a holistic menstrual health educator. This podcast was created to give you clarity about how to take control over your hormonal health using safer, natural options. I created this podcast to cover the widespread and complex health issues plaguing women today, from the rise of infertility to the epidemically high numbers of women with autoimmune disease to menstrual cycle problems, digestive issues, anxiety, weight gain, food sensitivities, mental, emotional, and energetic imbalances, and so much more. If there is a topic that you need answered, I encourage you to write us at podcast at shetalkshealth.com and we will try our absolute best to cover that subject. My greatest mission in life is to help women radically change their health and their lives by teaching them how they can use their hormones as their superpowers. So, with that in mind, I hope you enjoy today's episode. As always, ladies, this podcast and the information being provided to you is for educational and informational purposes only, and it should not be taken as medical advice. It is not intended to treat or cure any specific illness, and it is not to replace the guidance provided by your own medical practitioner. This information is to be used at your own risk based on your own judgment. And if you suspect you have a medical problem, we urge you to take appropriate action by seeking medical attention. Welcome back to the show, everybody. This is your host, Sophie Shepard, functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner and founder of She Talks Health. I am super excited because today we have a guest and you guys know how much I love guests. And today we have Jillian Smith, who is a registered dietitian helps women say goodbye to embarrassing stomach symptoms through functional medicine so they can rediscover what it feels like to feel vibrant in their bodies. I'm so excited to have you, Julian. Welcome to the show. Hello.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I just can't wait for our chat today. I know we're just going to geek out on all of the functional medicine stuff. So thank you for having me.
0: Yeah. I'm so excited. When I read your bio, I was like, yes, exactly. Let's talk about all the embarrassing stomach things that we're, a lot of us are dealing with that, you know, we just putting them under the rug, you know, so often yeah. it's an epidemic. I think <laughs> it's not yes. just me. It, it wasn't I just- totally agree.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> and and so today what we're going to talk about why we should think about functional lab work and stool testing and why um, the gut and hormones are connected? What we can actually think about doing for gas and constipation? These kind of common things. And I think let's let's start <laughs> with why we should stop self-diagnosing uh, our issues on Google. What is your opinion about the the Google um, doctor googling, as I call it?
1: Yes. Oh my goodness. So this is such a big thing. So I see clients for gut issues. I run a lot of those tests to figure out what's truly going on in the gut, really getting down to the root cause to my client's gut health imbalances, causing their stomach and digestive issues. And I would say 10 out of 10 times, my clients come to me and all of them at some point have searched their symptoms on Google, right? I mean, we're all guilty of that. And it can be so easy to just you know, think Google, why am I bloated? Why am I constipated? Why do I have embarrassing gas? Or maybe you're turning to Instagram and one person said, oh, this worked for me. And so you try it and maybe it doesn't work so well for you. And so kind of the problem with this is when we try to self-diagnose, when we're using Dr. Google, or um, we're trying to figure things out on our own, we're really lacking personalization. So When you're number one, not doing testing to figure out what's truly causing your symptoms, or maybe you're not working with a practitioner who really knows what's going on in your unique body, we're really just guessing at the end of the day. And we're all such unique individuals and our gut health is just as unique as we are. So an example I always use is let's take bloating super common symptom, right? I mean, so many of us struggle with bloating, it can be so uncomfortable, so frustrating can affect so many different areas of our life. So you may be bloated, your friend may also be bloated, but your bloating may be due to you're not breaking down your food well, your friend's bloating might be because she has a gut infection. And so those two things need to be addressed in two totally different ways. And you wouldn't know that just by getting on Google and Googling, why am I bloated? Because it really depends for what's going on in your unique body. Yes. Oh my gosh. Let's just
0: preach this. I, I think if anyone's listening to this, that has listened to like probably any episode of this podcast, they know how long I struggled with, you know, quote unquote IBS, which you guys know, I always just say that's BS because it's a catch all diagnosis. And I just wish that I had met my functional medicine practitioner seven years prior, because, you know, I was just the person that was sent out with the proton pump inhibitor, which we know causes low stomach acids, which is one of the reasons why we might have reflux or bloating or gas or all these different things. And I was never, I was never given a stool test. And so, you know, I definitely doctor Googled. And then I, when I got the diagnosis, I was like, oh, this is going to fix me like great proton pump inhibitor, stay away from acidic foods. And it did nothing. And, you know, there I was with just a still irritable bowel all through high school, all through college. And it wasn't until I did a stool test, you know, seven, maybe eight years later <laughs> and actually saw what was overgrowing and the candida and the bacterial species and the low stomach acid and the all the different layers of it that I finally felt better. And I felt better fast. That's the other thing, right? So we spend all this time, we spend all this money on random ass supplements that like don't work for us because we don't know what we're supplementing for. And then we're just more frustrated. We have less money (laughs) and we are just like even more distrusting. So I love that you talk about this too, because it's, um, we can't really, we can't just take a symptom and equate it to um, what to do without the functional lab. Oh my
1: gosh, yes. And your story parallels mine so closely. I struggled myself with horrible IBS all through college. I mean, I was going to school to become a dietitian. My gut was a mess. I had so much bloating and really painful stomach cramps and pain and irregular bowel movements. I mean, my gut was just a total mess. And I was going to doctors and they were really just giving me, you know, pill for an ill. And it was really just putting a bandaid on top of the symptoms. It was actually making my gut worse. I was really having to plan my day around figuring out where the next bathroom was just no way to live our lives. And it wasn't until you know, I graduated college became a dietitian, then I got into the functional medicine space. And it was like a light bulb moment went off. And I was like, why aren't we all talking about this? And doing the testing, not guessing, really gets you in the fast lane to feeling better because you just get to figure it out. You have those concrete lab data right in front of you of, oh, this is what's going on in your gut. No wonder you're so bloated. No wonder you can't break down your food well. Look at all that's going on in here. Because then you can really take that targeted and personalized approach to rebalancing your gut. And then, yeah, you feel better so much faster.
0: Absolutely. Oh gosh. Yeah. That sounds like our, it sounds like our journeys were so similar and there's nothing like being a college student and, you know, having to be the person that runs to the bathroom or like has the gas and you're like, Oh, no one smelt that. Like it's, it's so bad, you know? Oh, it's, it's just the worst. And I mean, like
1: looking back on it, you really think about the environment of college and, you know, I was under probably the most stressed that I ever had been in my life. I was pulling all nighters all the time. I wasn't sleeping. I was drinking more alcohol. I wasn't eating great. So it really was just like a mod podge of my gut issues being a total mess. But unfortunately, you know, I was going to so many different doctors. I was getting so many tests like colonoscopies, endoscopies. Everything was coming back, quote unquote, normal. But never once were they asking me how my sleep was, how my diet was, how my stress was. And knowing what I know now, I mean, that all plays such a big role as well. And so that's another huge piece to really healing your gut that sometimes people don't always talk about.
0: Oh my gosh. Yes. And I, I agree. And I, yes, yeah, same. I had the colonoscopies, the endoscopies, you know, they were doing all the oscopies, <laughs> you know, I was just like poked and brought it. And, you know, I think this kind of leads us into like how to ask for what you need from your doctor, because, you know, I find And maybe you have a different experience. I mean, my personal experience was, you know, in the Western medical world, like from a GI doctor's perspective, oftentimes they're looking for, now this was 10 years ago. So things may have evolved, or sorry, this was 15 years ago. But, you know, I I think they're looking a lot for that diagnosis of disease, right? They're looking for Crohn's or uh, colitis or diaperticulitis or, you know, God forbid, colon cancer or something that's like really um, treatable, right? Through modern medicine. And thank goodness we have that because those are really real diagnoses that need to be treated medically as well. But um, there's this whole subset of people like us who are maybe triggered by, you know, a food or they have poor stomach acid or, or bioflow because they're stressed out. And so their whole system just shuts down (laughs) and they're not sleeping. And they're, you know, there's this picture of me in college, like hugging an Oreo, like box of Oreos, sleeping (laughs) (laughs) you know, (laughs) trash food, not sleeping, so stressed out. And of course it's going to impact our gut. And so when you're in this space, I feel like you just want to feel better. So it's very hard to then go to the doctor and be told everything's normal. So what, what what do you tell people? What do you want to tell the listeners about how to ask for what you need from your doctor?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, that's the thing that's tough is when it comes to medicine. So many times we want that black and white answer, right? And I mean, you kind of alluded to this too, when you got your IBS quote unquote diagnosis, it was like, yes, I got a diagnosis, which means now I can have a treatment and feel better. Doesn't quite work like that with IBS because it's just a blanket term. And the truth is when it comes to health, especially for those who kind of fall into this gray area, that's exactly what it is. It's gray. It's not always black and white, this or that. Sometimes it is super gray and it does do more digging and um, that's where it can really feel overwhelming. It can feel like, oh my goodness, I'm never going to feel better, especially if you're getting all those tests done with your doctor, everything keeps coming back normal. It can be easy to feel like, okay, well, I guess this is just going to be my reality because what else do I do? So really what I'm trying to get the word out on is that that does not have to be your reality. I mean, you and I are both a living proof of that. And I totally know what it can feel like to just feel that sense of defeat and hopelessness. And it doesn't have to be that way. And that there are still so many answers, so many stones left unturned for you. And if you just truly know in your gut, no pun intended, that something is off in your body, then you are right. And nobody knows your body better than you. And so I know going to the doctor and trying to express how you're feeling and trying to explain that you just know that something's off, you know, that you can feel better. And for them to, you know, maybe tell you that all your labs are normal. And that's really all they can do for you. I know what that can feel like, but don't give up on the journey to find a new doctor find someone else who will listen to you, reach out for support and finding really somebody who will listen to you. Because at the end of the day, if you think
0: something's off in your body, you are right. Preach, preach, preach. Yes. I think that this is something that we, man, we like hedge our bets, right? It's like, well, everything's normal, but you feel completely disempowered by that statement because you know, you don't feel normal. So now you're thinking, oh, am I just making this up? And maybe someone's even said that to me, to you, like someone said that to me, like, oh, this is just actually in your head. Um, You know, just go on this antidepressant, which I'm still dealing with the effects of coming off of 10 years later. Right. So we have to, I think, especially as women, we're like kind of given a lot of roadblocks to not trust ourselves and not trust our bodies and not trust what's talking to us. And what I find, and I don't know if you find this too, but I find that just like me and probably just like you, if we don't nip it in the bud, it's going to manifest into new issues. So for me, my newer issues are along the journey. So 16 was the diagnosis of IBS, obviously gut stuff had started before that, but then, you know, it was anxiety and depression. And then it was Hashimoto's. Right. And if someone had intervened or someone had listened to me, or if I had known, you know, that such a thing as functional medicine and practitioners such as us exist earlier, potentially I wouldn't have even developed an autoimmune disease because we know how much the gut is linked to the development of autoimmune. So I find that this, this message is really important because, you know, go to the doctor, get those tests done, make sure there isn't something Horrible going on. And if there is no solution from them, don't stop there. Keep going until you feel better because you deserve to feel incredible, not just kind of okay.
1: (laughs) Yes. Oh my goodness. I just love that so much, especially as women. I think there's just so much pressure to go, 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 do, do, do. You know, just in our modern society, we put so much value on productivity and always grinding. And then, you know, women were expected to caretake and then we're working all day. Maybe you have a side hustle when you get home. And so when we're going to the doctors or, you know, whoever, and you're being told everything is normal, just must be all in your head. You know, you're a mom, you're just tired, just sleep more. It can really feel disempowering. And so, um, yeah, I so agree with what you were saying and truly your symptoms, even if it's things like fatigue, just feeling tired, lacking motivation, feeling like you're a slow starter in the morning. All of those things are your body's way of trying to communicate something to you and so, you know, instead of just continuing to kind of shove it off, put it on the back burner, you know, really listening to those whispers before they come something greater,
0: before they're coming more to being screened. 100%. I love it. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um, so let's talk about some of those symptoms that a lot of people are too embarrassed to. Talk about <laughs> we've got you know gas, constipation, reflux, bloating, diarrhea, and I think there's two things I think we should talk about both that people tend to do right when they're like dealing with a gut issue and they do the, the doctor googling, they're like, okay, I have to take a probiotic <laughs> and I have to, um, you know, uh, eliminate every food ever (laughs) in my diet. So let's talk about the probiotics first. And then let's talk about like maybe some food ideas. Um, But we both know that probiotics can be helpful depending on the person and their lab and what comes back and potentially very helpful. And it can also make it really worse. So why are probiotics like kind of not the first thing you would necessarily say to just any you know, Joe Schmo on the street, if they're having like constipation or gas or bloating or something like that.
1: Can we just say gut health does not equal probiotics. Like, I think that has just gotten into our society somewhere where if you have gut issues, just take a probiotic, like bam, slam, thank you, ma'am. Don't we wish it were that simple? Definitely not that simple. And so many times taking a probiotic, especially if you already have a lot of gut issues going on, can actually make things a lot worse. So when I'm working with clients, probiotic is one of the last steps that we're getting into. I mean, there's a lot of healing and rebalancing to do before you ever introduce probiotics. And I know when I was struggling with a lot of gut issues, I thought that the solution was just to take a probiotic. So I was trying to take a probiotic, it was making me so much more bloated, it was making me feel even more uncomfortable, so I was trying to switch to a different brand. I was just buying random ones. I didn't really know what I was doing and there's there is just kind of that lack of education out there that if you have a lot of gut issues, don't just start taking a probiotic. It's really important to work with somebody to make sure it's appropriate for you and finding the specific strains that are appropriate for you. I mean there's as you know, so many different strains of probiotics out there. And some may be more appropriate than others. And so working with somebody who understands this and can help you find the one that will be best for you, or maybe rebalancing your gut before adding them on would be more appropriate for you, but that can be so, so
0: helpful. Okay. Let's, let's give the listeners a little education, more education on this because I a hundred percent agree with you and it can get complicated. So, you know, the idea that people have is like, well, if I have gut issues and that means that I have an imbalance in my gut bacteria and so I need good gut bugs and those come from probiotics, I'm going to take that. So maybe do you want to explain kind of what's happening (laughs) there?
1: Yes. Oh my goodness. Absolutely. So so a lot of times, something I see a lot, especially with my clients who have been diagnosed with IBS, this is also the case for me. It's actually a lot of times an over growth of bacteria. So for me, I had what's called SIBO, small intestine bacterial overgrowth. And it's when you have a bunch of bacteria growing in the wrong place. So it's up in your small intestine, you don't want a ton of bacteria up in there. But that can happen a lot, especially with those diagnosed with IBS. It's very common. So you have all this bacteria, that's not where it's supposed to be. Well, you're adding a probiotic on top of that, you're introducing even more bacteria. And it's kind of like they go to war with each other. And in turn, you feel really crappy, you can be more bloated, more gassy, feel this more sick, have a stomach ache, all of those things. And it's just too much going on in your gut. So when I'm doing lab testing and I'm doing stool testing, I'm looking at these strains of bacteria. And if I have a client with tons of bacteria, maybe they have the SIBO going on. I do not want to add in a probiotic right off the bat because they'll be feeling really bad. Kind of what we want to do first is rebalance, get that bacteria back to where it's supposed to be. And then you can add in a supportive probiotic to keep that, going and keep that good gut bacteria healthy.
0: Yes. I love this so much. Exactly. And I've had SIBO too. I don't know if I had SIBO earlier, but I, when I came off my SSRI without support, like five years ago, really, really not a good idea. Guys don't ever do that. Um, I actually think I gave myself SIBO because of the gut brain connection <laughs> mm-hmm. and the amount of stress I'd put on. And, you know, the same things I had done earlier for like the quote unquote IBS, which was really, you know, all these different imbalances just didn't work. And one of the things that didn't work was the probiotics because of the reason you just talked about. So a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And we have an episode about SIBO. I feel like that's almost a whole other like category or level of gut dysfunction, It seems that there are, you know, so just so this is a very good example of how like even in the SIBO community, there is like really no one size fits all. Like there is not something that you can just be like, Hey, just take Rifaximin or like, Hey, just do the elemental diet or Hey, just eat low FODMAP or whatever. Like it takes a very nuanced approach. And I don't think a lot of feedback working with somebody to get the right combinations of things for yourself, including, I think that SIBO is like, a symptom, you know, SIBO is a symptom of low stomach acid or poor bile flow, or, you know, you're stressed out where you have yes. <laughs> Like Yeah. Oh my gosh. Preach it. I was just going to say
1: that if you're not getting to the root cause. It's so common to relapse. So I see a lot of clients who they've had SIBO, maybe went to their doctor, then they got a, um, an antibiotic cleared up. They're feeling really good for a few months. And then all of a sudden they start getting those symptoms again. And that's why it's really important to figure out, what caused the SIBO in the first place, because if that's not addressed, then yeah, it's totally going to come right on back. So root mm-hmm. cause.
0: Root cause every time. Okay. So I feel like we covered why probiotics are not necessarily the first thing to do. You also mentioned that there are different types of strains that might be appropriate for certain people. Is there like an example that you could give um, about like, I don't know, someone who might need a specific strain, like, I don't know, something off the top yeah. of your mind?
1: So uh, at the end of the day, I mean, honestly, as a health addition, that's the number one question I get is what probiotic do I recommend? And as we were just talking about, my response is always like, well, let's chat a little bit more, because I may not recommend any probiotic for you. But kind of just in general, kind of, um, for a lot of people, what I will typically say is I love a good strain. It's called Saccharomyces boulardii. It's actually a probiotic yeast, not a bacteria. This one's really great if you're having a lot of gut symptoms going on. So if your gut is a mess and you're like, okay, they're saying to not start with a probiotic. I feel like I need something. Where should I start getting a probiotic that has the Saccharomyces boulardii is usually a pretty safe bet. I wouldn't just dive into, you know, one of those broad spectrum multi-strain probiotics right off the bat, because that's when you can kind of feel some of the discomfort. So that can be a really great one. We were talking about this a little while ago, something like a good spore-based probiotic has been shown to really be helpful. And I see a lot of my clients can feel really good taking a spore-based probiotic, especially when they have a lot of that bacteria going on. It can kind of help crowd out some of that, some of the bad guys. And then if you're feeling really good, if you don't really have a lot of gut issues, you're just looking for a good probiotic, to further support your health and wellness, then doing a more broad spectrum, multi-strain probiotic could be a great choice.
0: I love the way you just broke that down. Actually. That's so great. And I, yeah, the SACB is so incredible, right? Like, um, So, She'd love it. The layers of the gut issues I've had over, you know, when I was younger is fascinating to me. And so, well, I'll just mention because you mentioned SAC B. So, I, the time that I also had SIBO, I had run a test to see about C. diff and I had extremely high C. diff. And I was like having all the symptoms of like the loose stools because we'll just talk about anything on this podcast. So, I had all the diarrhea. It was years ago. And, um, I was given a reverse titration Saccharomyces boulardii uh, protocol to follow from my functional person, um, at the time. And it really worked. <laughs> it really, really worked. And I feel like this has been huge as I've become a practitioner and, and seen a lot of GI maps, um, and different tests that I've been able to run that the Sac B has been really helpful as a, a step, but it's, it's not the whole picture is the, is the really important thing to know. Right. And then, yeah, I'm like a huge fan of score-based probiotics. I love score-based probiotics. That's such a, those are such good categories. Okay. Yeah. Hopefully that helps you guys. You're listening to that. You're like putting yourself into the categories, but again, please get tested. Don't guess. Um, and don't just like, also like quality matters. Right. So just oh. keep that in mind. Yeah. Brands matter for sure. Brands matter. <laughs> So, okay. And so then the other thing that people do is that they will be like, they'll see something on TikTok and it'll be like, I don't know, only breathe air. <laughs> if you <laughs> don't want gut issues, like I'm exaggerating, but you know what I mean? There's just so much out there. That's ridiculous. So there are though some common foods that do irritate the gut for, for a lot of people. I think it's, it is always bio-individual. Um, what would you say you find in your, in your practice as the top irritants for, for the gut?
1: Yeah, such a great question. So I always believe that it's usually not the food that's the issue, it's the environment that the food's going into, which is yes. your gut. So it's really easy to blame the food. You know, I ate this food and I got bloated. I ate this food and I had gut issues. When really the blame shouldn't be on the food, it's that there's imbalances in your gut that's not allowing you to digest that food well. So if we can address that, the food becomes a non-issue. So I'm really big on not doing a restrictive diet if you don't have to. Of course, there's a time and a place, and some people can really benefit from being on you know different healing diets. Maybe it's not the diet forever, but just while you're healing and rebalancing your gut can absolutely be beneficial. Um, and saying that though, there's definitely some common foods that can really stir things up. One of them being gluten, and I'm sure with you know all like the Hashi's talk that you guys do, I'm sure you've talked about gluten before. And gluten is tough on the gut. And it's really, um, I do test for gluten sensitivity in my practice. And it's incredibly common. I would say maybe 80% of the women that I'm testing for gluten sensitivity, there is gluten sensitivity there. And so, so many times when I'm supporting my clients, on pulling the gluten out, they feel so much better, just more mental clarity. I, I see it a lot with skin issues or lacking focus, brain fog, not sleeping well, even like weight loss resistance. So many of these things can I've seen really improve when we pull things out like gluten. And that's just because when you're pulling out the foods that your body is really reacting to that your immune system is attacking and setting off an inflammatory cascade every single time that happens. Of course, you're going to feel a lot better when you're pulling it out. So that I would say is the most common one that I see.
0: Yeah, same 100%. I mean, I don't think I've had a single client who hasn't benefited from going gluten-free at this point. I mean, I think you and I are probably similar in that what you said earlier, like it's usually not the food's fault. It's usually the environment that the food is trying to be digested in or not being digested in. However, especially in this country with the amount of glyphosate, Sprayed on our gluten. Um, I do find that you're hundred percent right. And I find it really is widespread. Like it can be bloating and constipation and gas, but it can also be weight. Like I when I went gluten-free, I lost 10 pounds immediately. And then I the other big thing that I always say for me personally that changed was when I tried to eat gluten again, I actually fell asleep. Uh, I was working on an off-Broadway show backstage. That was my career before this, and I fell asleep during the show, during a live theater show. Like how crazy is that? It just like makes me laugh because if you've ever been backstage of anything like it, there's a lot going on. So to fall asleep at work takes a lot of effort. Yeah. (laughs) Like I was sitting in a cubicle, you know? So I find that the brain fog and the lack of focus and the fatigue, uh, weight loss, resistance, the mental clarity, the skin, the bloating, all of that stuff can just so, so often be, um, partially triggered by gluten. So yes. And we do know, I mean, we know that hundred percent of people who eat gluten, it will open up those tight junctions that can contribute to leaky gut. And then that lets that inflammation kind of go wild in the body. So it's not personal. (laughs) It's just the way zonulin works, which is part of gluten and we just see it all the time. So, okay, cool. So you're thinking gluten as well I I agree. Um, are there other ones that you find like commonly pop up for your clients?
1: Yeah. So I would say gluten is kind of the first one that we'll go to. We'll kind of get that guy out, give it some time. It does take some time. Um, some people will feel good really quick. Some people it takes a little bit longer for it to kind of get processed out of the system. Um, But then kind of the next one I start investigating is dairy. Dairy is another really common one. Some people I find feel so great when they pull it out, especially if you're somebody who can't break it down well, or maybe you're having a sensitivity to either the lactose in there or you're reacting to the casing, the protein. So dairy is kind of the next one that I'll start investigating. And then we'll really start things are still not feeling great, looking into some of the more common allergens, the corn, the grains, some of those, the nuts and seeds, we'll kind of do it on a case by case basis. And not everybody is going to be sensitive to those. Some people are though. And so if we can figure that out for the client, it's so helpful. And just because I work with women with gut issues. So IBS, bloating, gas are such big things. This isn't a food that I would say that I talk about cutting out, but the way that you're preparing your food can really matter. So let's take vegetables, for example, when I have clients who come to me, they're a mess and, you know, they're like, Hey Jillian, I'm doing everything right. You know, I'm eating all my salads and getting all my vegetables in that's kind of sending off some little, flashing lights oh, in my no. head because <laughs> yes, a big old raw salad can be so hard on the gut, especially if you have gut issues. I know when I was healing my gut, I could not eat a big old salad because it would just send my gut into such a flare. I would feel so terrible. So really, when you're working on rebalancing your gut, finding some of the vegetables that sit well with you. I don't put my clients on the low FODMAP diet. However, I think it can be used as a guide to help you when your symptoms are really angry and relying more on those low FODMAP foods can feel good in the short term, So maybe including those cooking your vegetables, don't do a big old raw salad if your gut can't digest it right now. So those are some of the other tips that I work with clients on.
0: Mm, I love that. Yes, I totally agree i remember when i just had no idea what was going on i just had this vague diagnosis of ibs and i would eat a salad and one day it would be fine and then the other day it would just be like Not good. I'm like this is healthy what what, you know like how is this but yeah when you're having those gut issues like we need to give our our body the ability to break down the food and you mentioned you know that if people still if you kind of go down the list the gluten and then the dairy and people are still and you've done the lab testing and you're working on whatever it is that's coming up on the lab for you and people still aren't feeling well, you'll kind of go into like the corn green, nut, seed world. And so do you find that people like to do that all at once or one at a time to see if it feels better? Like what do people tend to do well with?
1: I don't usually advise doing it all at once just because it can feel overwhelming and it can feel restrictive. And the last thing I'd want to do is throw more stress hormones when we're trying to fix your gut. So I like to go one at a time. Like I was kind of saying, I kind of go in that order and taking them out one at a time and trying to see if we can figure out what's causing your gut to be so angry, what's causing you to feel so crappy.
0: Yeah. And so outside of an overgrowth of bacteria or potentially like a severe food sensitivity, what would you say are like the top, I don't know, three things you see that can kind of trigger Some of these issues that you kind of mentioned, like stomach acid, we've mentioned gallbladder and and bile flow. What do you find is most commonly going on for somebody? Yeah. So I will say the number one most common is
1: stress. And so many times we don't even think of that as being a cause to your gut issues, but it is 100% the most common one that I see. Just given our modern society, kind of like what we were talking about earlier, it's very go, 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 high value on productivity. We're all grinding, hustling. Maybe you're not sleeping great. And your gut really takes a hit for that. I mean, that gut brain connection is so, so powerful. And when we're under this chronic, just underlying stress day in and day out, and we're not doing the things that we need to, to pull us out of that fight and flight response and slow down a little bit, our gut's going to take the hit for it. Being under chronic stress actually reduces your stomach acid. So I do work with a lot of clients who they have low stomach acid and That could maybe be a root cause, but I'm still saying, okay, but what's making your stomach acid be low. You have to just keep on digging. And so many times stress is at the forefront of all of that. And stress is really going to bleed into so many of the things. So it can decrease your stomach acid. It can suppress your immune system, which over 70% of our immune system resides in our gut. And so if that's suppressed, that really opens up the door for bad gut bugs to get in and pathogens to get into your gut. And if you don't have the immune system to fight them off, they can take up real estate. And then now you have a gut infection that can be causing a lot of your symptoms. So really peeling back the onion and figuring out what's the root cause of your root cause is truly the best way to heal long-term.
0: Yeah. I love the, what's the root cause of your root cause. I think it's interesting how we say that there's one, there's never just one, like ever. I mean, you know, it's just like, there are so many layers in there that we have to address and that can feel very overwhelming. So I just love that you have this really systematic uh, approach to this, but also it's flexible to the individual, which is really important.
1: Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, it really does need to kind of be like a holistic approach, you know, like we have to be looking at the lifestyle, your stress, your sleep, your exercise, We have to be looking at the nutrition making sure that you're eating the foods that are going to be supporting your healing that you're getting enough energy enough calories enough protein to actually heal your gut and then we need to do the testing to figure out do you have gut imbalances that we need to get rid of infections do we need to restore your stomach acid do we need to get rid of your SIBO, that bacteria that's overgrowing do we need to get rid of the parasite you know that's kind of some of the insight that we can get through the testing and when you really put all of those together That's really where you can just start feeling so much better and so much quicker.
0: I love it. It's perfect. I cannot agree more. So Jillian, where can people find you if they want to follow you or contact you?
1: Yeah. So Instagram is really the best place to connect with me. I'm on there all the time. And I always encourage people to not be shy. Send me a DM if you have questions or would love advice on anything. Um, My Instagram is just JillianSmith.rd. And yeah, that's
0: really the best place to get in touch with me. Amazing! is there anything else that we didn't cover that you want to share with the audience today? You know, I always just love closing out
1: with really empowering women to take action on feeling better. And it's so easy for us as women to put ourselves onto the back burner and think that maybe we don't deserve to invest in ourselves. We don't deserve to invest the time or the finances to feeling better. We don't deserve to put ourselves first. And I'm calling BS on that. And really, if you're not feeling well, you deserve to feel so, so good and just live your best, most abundant life. And seeking out the support to do that can be the tool that you need.
0: A hundred percent. Yes. And we deserve it. We didn't even have to earn it. We just deserve it because we're here. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I love that. Awesome guys. Go follow Jillian. This has been an incredible conversation. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Awesome. We'll see you guys on the next episode in two weeks. I hope this episode got you one step closer to achieving your optimal health. If you've liked this episode, please spend a few seconds to rate it so more women can find this resource. Be sure to tune in for more women's health support next week on the She Talks Health podcast. And in the meantime, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook at She Talks Health I have an open door DM policy. No question is stupid and I'm always here for you.